<laughs> I don't know what happened that little blackout. We had a blackout, didn't we? Man, I just want to appreciate you wearing that Alabama sweatshirt in here. I see so much Auburn stuff. I'm very grateful for Alabama. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm just, I just can't help myself. It's just something came over. I don't think it was the spirit, though. No, I don't. How many veterans we got in the, in the house? Would you stand up if you're a veteran? Would you stand up, please? Stand up all over the place, all over the house. Kristen Arias, you, you stay standing. This is a Marine. Hey. Yeah, he's a corpsman. He's, yeah, yeah. This is what he told me. He's getting, uh, he's getting, he's got a, a duty station in Afghanistan coming up first of the year. And so, uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, if, you, if you're around him, put your hands on him, would you please? Father, we thank you that you're going to reveal yourself to Christian. We thank you, God, for every promise that you promised those who believe. Uh, Father, we thank you for protection. I ask you, God, that as he, as he goes, Lord, that you would lead him and guide him and that, you would, uh, that it would be apparent to him the opportunities that he has to bring kingdom in that part of the world. Father, I pray right now for the Middle East. I ask you, God, and I know, Lord, that you, oh God, want to bring salvation to the Middle East. So I thank you for doing that, and I thank you for using Christian. Bless him. Say it with me. Bless him in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't we give the Lord applause for that? That's good. If you hadn't been with us over the last few weeks... You know, God's, do, God's doing something here at this house, and it's, uh, it's kind of amazing to me. We, we have been talking about, y'all can go ahead and pass those out. If you want a set of notes, this is so much information, I didn't feel like you could handle it, and I didn't think you could take enough notes fast enough. So if you'd like notes, would you raise your hand? There's something you can take home and, and have, and then make sure you get them. Um, We've been talking about the anointing that God has. We, we talked about the incident that happened at the men's retreat and, and uh, what the Lord did up there and how it came back here and, and, and you know, how we planted a seed last week and, and uh, kind of joined in what we believe uh, God is doing. We're singing and have sung the last two weeks this whole idea of new wine and new wineskins and, and with, with those, he brings new power and we just believe God's found a house that he can pour out on that can hold what he wants to do. I mean, that's the, that's the bottom line. Now that, that's not set out of pride. We can blow it. We can mess it up, or we can, or we can be transformed. We can do one or the other. And, and so I, I wanted to talk about the anointed because such a unusual term and I don't, I don't think a lot of people really know what it really means and and so I want to talk about that just a little bit first of all Christ means anointed did y'all know that so Jesus the anointed one is is what Jesus Christ means it's a term for the anointed ones what Jesus said about you and me that we and we were called Christians because we're the little anointed ones. Right? You with me? So turn to your neighbor and tell them, you're a little anointed one. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. So if, if you're a believer, if you're a believer and you really are a believer, you have an anointing. So say that with me. I have an anointing. <laughs> That's good. Well, what I wanted to do today is just start discovering what the Bible says about anointing and, and give us full range of understanding. So I'm going to teach more than I'm going to preach, kind of, while, while I've got the notes. So 
what I wanted to, and tried to do was convince you that God has an anointing He wants to put on your life that is going to work the miraculous, that's going to usher in the kingdom and cause lives to be changed. So let's look first at 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. I've got four or five scriptures here, or six or seven or whatever, that we're going to read just to give us a background. 1 John chapter 2, verse 27 says, But the anointing which you have, which you have received from Jesus, abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. That doesn't mean you're unteachable. That means that if you'll pay attention, that the Holy Spirit wants to teach you. And the reason I say this is, how many of you have people that you know that are believers that you wish could just get it, get, just get, get what God has for them, that the promises are there and the, and the stuff God wants to do in their life are there, but they just, they just don't get it. They don't grasp it, and so they don't walk in what God has for them. You ever, got it? You ever seen anybody like that? You ever seen anybody that, that just won't turn to God? And you really, really want them to turn to God, but they don't. And the reason being is, is we can't do it for them. It has to be a personal encounter with the living God. It has to be them turning to the Lord. And when, when, when that happens, what Jesus did uh, actually is carried out. I talked to the first service about this. We, we had this incident where we were, were praying for people that were sick and we were just releasing healing. And that term, release, release came. And I just kind of wanted to explain to that congregation as I'm doing you right now. When we say that terminology, it's very true. We can release or we can bind up based on our alignment. In other words, this is what I want you to understand. Everything that, that God wants for the church was done at the cross and the resurrection. And it is available for all those who believe. How you release it is you agree with it. You come into agreement with it in your heart, in your mind, your soul, and in your body. You, you begin to move in what God says, and he says, because you've aligned with my word, it will do what I sent it to do. And so, and so there's an anointing on you to move the kingdom. There's an anointing on you that will teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. There's an abiding in the Holy Spirit and a, and a pathway of progress that he's going to reveal more and more about his character and his nature to you. So that's the anointing. John 14, 16 says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that may abide with you forever. There's a helper coming, so it just backs up 27. In John 16, 13, it says, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, he, the Spirit of truth, a person, has come, the Spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. For he, the Spirit, will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Whatever he hears, he will speak. Around here, and there's getting more and more of it, there's an emphasis on the Word of God. And, and you know, that's not, you would say, that's not abnormal for church. I mean, usually churches use the Bible. But there's an emphasis to actually know it. And the reason being is, is because what we just read and what we're about to read further in just a little bit is that the Spirit of God reveals the truth that's in the Word of God to you. If you don't know the Word, you can't be in conversation with the Spirit. Because the Spirit's not going to tell you anything new. It's just going to 
confirm what's already been said. He reveals the truth to you, and you have the ability to hear it if you know it. So you got to get in it, and you got to know it. It's got to become priority in your life, and I know that it is. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse, tw- well, yeah, verse 21, it says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. We're anointed. He's talking to the church. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9 is talking about Jesus first and then us second. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Thank, thank, therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Proverbs 28, 5 says this. This is Old Testament stuff. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord, they understand it all. There's a spirit living within us that gives us and teaches us all things. And we're anointed to know them. So, God has anointed you if you're a believer. You can say, I am an anointed one. He has anointed you so that you may be equipped for every good work that He planned before the foundation of the world for you. He anointed you to resist evil. He anointed you to know the truth. He anointed you to preach the Word. He anointed you to pray He anointed you so that you could be in fellowship with God, the Father. So you are the anointed of God. Why don't you turn to like three people and tell them you're the anointed of God. You are. Wow, that sounds so good. You know, oftentimes what we think is we think that just, you know, people in ministry are, they're anointed. Or, you know, the prophets were anointed or the apostles were anointed or, or whatever it might be. And, and, and that's not the case. And I'm going to explain that to you here in just a moment as we, as we go. There's, there's an anointing that, that God has for the church and, and we're the church. And so to begin, let's just look at what Webster has to say about what anointing is. Anointing is to put oil on in a cer- ceremony of consecration. To anoint something or someone is to apply something, in this case, oil, to an object. Have you ever been anointed with oil and prayed over? You know, that's, sometimes that's, that's interesting as a pastor because everybody didn't come from the same, uh, you know, the same background. And so, you know, I've asked people before, you know, can I anoint you with oil and lay hands on you and pray for you? And they go, uh, I guess. <laughs> okay. So, you know, we might, might have done that. You might have been somebody that has actually got the anointing oil and, and, and prayed over somebody. No matter what, you know, we, we've often, mo- most of us have come into contact with the idea of anointing. Now, when we understand it, we understand that, you know, this, this, is, this, is, this is olive oil. Oftentimes when we pull it out, we say, you know, we got this from Food Lion. But this happened to come from Israel. So this is the real deal right here in this, in this one. But, but it, has no, it has no power in and of itself, right? It, it is a representation of the anointing. And, and the anointing is the, the thought that this is the promise of God for you, that this, this is the nature and the character of God, and this is available to those who believe. There's, there's something, and God said when you, when you anoint, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you're sick or whatever it is, you anoint and you consecrate that to God and say, God said, you align yourself with God. That's, that's all we're doing. When we take the anointing oil. So, so we're the anointed ones. We're the objects that are set aside. So let me give you some biblical examples about the anointing. Who was anointed in the Bible? Well, first, the prophets were anointed. Prophets were anointed in the Bible. First uh, Kings 19.16 says, says, Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nephshai, as, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Saphat, Saphat, I think that's right, of, 
of Abel, Meholah, who shall anoint as prophet in your place. And so this, this anointing is going on with these hard names. This anointing is going on. So the prophets of God were anointed. The, also, the priests in the Old Testament were anointed. In Exodus 40, 13, it says, You shall put the holy garments on Aaron and anoint him and consecrate him that he may minister to me as priest. Now, uh, you know, in that particular day, they pulled the whole thing over his head. They dumped a bucket of oil over his head. There's the anointing. There's some people who've been so bad for so long, you know, every now and again, I just want to dump a bucket of oil over their head. It's kind of like baptism, you know. When you baptize somebody, you just want to hold them down a little bit longer. This one's a tough one, you know, let the bubbles come up a little bit. Uh, That's probably me. That's probably me. But (laughs) the priest was anointed by God, and it was a ceremony, you know, it's, we're laughing, and I'm making I'm making light of it. But there was a reason they poured the whole thing over him, because he was going to be absolutely covered with God. So you got the prophets, you got the priests, you also had the kings who were anointed. In First Samuel chapter sixteen, verse two and three, Samuel gets instruction: invite Jesse to to the sacrifice, and I, God, will show you. What you shall do, you shall anoint for me the one that I named to you. And then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David and was on David from that day forward. There was an anointing on the king. And there was also an anointing on Samuel. You know how I know? It's because the Lord said, listen. He said, I want you to go do something for me. I want you to go, and I want you to invite Jesse. Well, what are you going to do when I invite Jesse, Lord? Well, I'll tell you when you get there. You know, it's impossible to hear and follow God without the anointing. And he's never going to give you more information than he needs to for you to actually accomplish the task. He just wants to find out if, whether you're willing to go or not. And when you get there, he will give you instruction because you are anointed. And he's saying to the anointed man of God, the prophet Samuel, go anoint the king. And so he does. And we see that. So it's the priest, the prophet, the king. Also, number four, the sick were anointed. In Mark six thirteen, it says, They cast out demons, anointed with all many who were sick, and healed them. So the sick were anointed. Also, number five, objects were anointed. Moses told Moses, take the anointing oil, anoint the tabernacle and all that's in it. And Moses did it, and he consecrated them. Consecration means set apart, to be set apart. They had, they had a mission. They had a purpose. They were consecrated to the Lord. Oftentimes, we must take holiness as purity. And although holiness includes purity because God is pure, holiness doesn't mean purity. Holy means consecrated to God. In other words, you are holy. Jesus says, be holy as I am holy. So what we think in our mind's eye is be pure as I was pure. And we go, oh, how do you do that? Well, thank, thank, thank Jesus that he, he did that for us. But what he's saying is, Be set apart for the mission of God like I was set apart for the mission of God. Right? And so we see in the Bible where all these examples of anointing. So what was the purpose? Why were they anointed? What was the purpose for their anointing? If they were anointed for purpose, what was it? Well, I'm glad you asked. The prophets were anointed to be able to proclaim God's word. The priests were anointed to carry out their duties of worship and sacrifice. The kings were anointed so that they could rule. The people were anointed so they could bring healing or be healed. Objects were anointed so that they could be set aside for holy use. And so 
We've got to understand that this anointing is not a new thing. And it's not a New Testament thing, and it's not an Acts thing. It was just expanded to all people. Every tribe, every nation, every tongue, not male, not female. It doesn't matter who you are. I'm going to pour out on all flesh. Daughters are going to prophesy. All these things are going to be happening because I'm going to pour my anointing on everybody just like I did David, and it's not going to leave. It's going to be with them from that day forward. So what can we learn? We can learn the most important thing that I could possibly tell you today, and that is that you were anointed for purpose. You know, so oftentimes in church, in the church world, we get everything all backwards. We think that the preacher was anointed for the ministry, and that's not what the Scripture teaches us. In Ephesians chapter 3, it says that the, that, that the ministers were anointed to be administrators so that they can ministrate the anointing on the church so that the church could do the work of the ministry. You know, there's a five-fold ministry gift I'm not going to teach you about today that is set up for the church and the leadership of the church so that you could walk in the anointing that God has for you in ministry. So you were anointed for purpose. And God's pattern that we see in Scripture says that you were, you were anointed for proclaiming, for worship, for sacrifice, for ruling, and for healing. And you were anointed to make yourself available for holy use to be set apart by God to use you for what you were created to do. There are so many people who just want to know why they were made. They want to know, what's God's will for my life? His will for your life is to know the Word of God, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to go when He says go, and to do what He says do when you get there. Well, I want a game plan. What you're really asking him is, what am I going to do for a living? And he goes, I don't care. But when you're there, be like me. Be filled with your, the Holy Spirit and then minister to everybody around you in my namesake. <laughs> See, we get it all messed up. God certainly can take you into a career as part of his words to you, but what he's looking for is a surrendered heart. So you are anointed for purpose, proclaiming, worshiping, sacrificing, ruling, healing, and anointed to make yourself ready for you. So we see that being the case. We also have to understand that there's this progression. So we got kings and priests and and, and and prophets all anointed. But we also see that Jesus was the anointed and that he was anointed for purpose so that he could carry out his ministry. Jesus says in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, he says, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, and the recovery of the sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And what's really interesting about that particular passage of Scripture is that that is Jesus' first act of ministry after he was filled with the Holy Spirit in Matthew chapter 3. And that's what I want you to pay attention to. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent Jesus from being baptized. And he said to him, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me? And Jesus said to him, permit it to be so, for thus is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And so John said, sure. 
And when he had baptized Jesus, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens opened, were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on Jesus. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, who I am well pleased. And there's several things that I really want you to hear and understand about this. There was an open heaven. Did you all hear it in there? There's an open heaven, and an open heaven is possible, right? It's an open heaven, and it's possible. And so oftentimes, because of Hollywood, when we think about the Holy Spirit being poured out, we think about this dove, and it, and it just goes, and it lights on Jesus' shoulder. But if you, how many hunters we got in the? Oh, my goodness. Lord, help us. How many hunters we got in here? Please, thank you. There's, some, there's a, even a girl hunter. She's hunting a husband right now. I'm tell- <laughs> oh, hallelujah. How many is hunting a husband right now? Would you raise your hand? I got more hunting hus- husband hunters than I got hunter hunters. Yeah, I wish y'all could see her face right now. <laughs> She's lit up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. But if you're a hunter, you know a dove doesn't go, whoo, it's not like an eagle. <laughs> when they leave, they make noise. Tuk, 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 tuk. They, they're out of there. When they come in, it's I mean, they make noise. So, so, so our image is not even really good. But the point of the matter is, it's not a dove. Let me tell you, it wasn't a dove. The heavens opened, and the best the author could do was to write that this was the Spirit of God, and this is the best I can tell you it looked like. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then there was a voice, and it said, This is my beloved Son, who I'm pleased. Now, the point I want you to make is that Jesus was anointed for purpose. Now, when we think about why was he baptized and then why was he anointed with the Spirit, you know, some, some people say that, they, uh, you know, that Jesus had to identify with us, and I think that's accurate. You know, some theologians say that because he was baptized because he wanted to identify with us. Well, Hebrews would back that up, saying, saying that the priest used to go into the Holy of Holies. They'd go into the Holy of Holies, and they'd make sacrifice for themselves because they were just like us. And so there had to be a great high priest that would pay for sin once and for all, Hebrews says, and he had to be like us. And so Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. Let me explain how that works. The first of all, your identity, your race, and everything, your blo- everything about you depends on your father. You're identified with your father. Jesus' mother was a virgin, and Jesus' father was gone, and the seed was the seed of God. He, he, he impregnated Mary as a virgin. And, and Jesus was born a man. But Father God was his father. So he was the son of God. But he was all man in the image of God. And so... Jesus needed to be baptized because he wanted to relate to us. Some suggest that the main reason that Jesus was baptized is because he, 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 um, he wanted to be an example so that we could follow in his footsteps, and I, and I think that's accurate. But the main reason that I want to suggest to you today that Jesus was baptized before is he, because he wanted to come as a man and he wanted to align himself in the order of Melchizedek because he knew he was going to be our great high priest forever. And so what Jesus did is he did that deal. He was able to go into the Holy of Holies just like the high priest, but once and for all, he rent the veil. He broke the veil in the Holy of Holies. He opened it up to you and me once and for all. Not so that we could only go in once a year, but so that we could go into the Holy of Holies in relationship with our God so that he could teach us about who he is, that we can go boldly to that throne. Not so that we can make atonement for sin, because that's already been done once and for all. It's so that we could get 
the anointing and the instruction and the power to carry out those instructions from God so that we could begin to pray in alignment with his way and his will so that the kingdom could come because we know when we pray in alignment with God's will and purpose that it will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we also know that there's an open heaven and that God can pour his presence and spirit out on people. So if Jesus... needed to be baptized for purpose, we need to be baptized for purpose. Jesus is the baptizer, and the Spirit is going to teach us. So if Jesus needed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to carry out his ministry, do you think you might need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit as well? The anointing, therefore, on your life is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. You're anointed by the Holy Spirit, who is the third person of God. Right? You with me? What's that mean? What's that mean? It means that you are anointed for a particular ministry in this world. It means that you have been enabled, entrusted, and empowered to accomplish God's will. I'm going to repeat that. Let me do it. It means that you have been enabled, entrusted, and empowered to accomplish God's will. The reason I want to tell you this is because there's so many preachers and so many Christians that portray the attitude that I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And all those things are true. But there's a power available to to the church that we need to begin to walk in that says, I'm the anointed one. I'm the little anointed Jesus loved me so much that he wanted to anoint me so that I wouldn't have this desire for sin. I'd have a desire for righteousness. And my focus would be righteousness and not sin. And there's an anointing for that. He's got a a ministry for me to walk in where he gives me instruction. He wants to teach me about his character, his nature, his word. He wants to show me how to apply all those things. I've been enabled and trusted and empowered to accomplish the will of God. Not just to make it till I go to heaven. And so let me give you 10 things that you're anointed to do. I want to give you 10 things. Everybody say, he's going to give us 10 things just to wake you up a little bit. It's hot in here. I know it is. I can see. I wish the air conditioning was 65. It would be like it is in the summertime. Ten things. You were anointed to be able to discern the truth. You're supposed to be able to know good and evil. You're supposed to be able to get God's heart on good and evil. You should know that. It's in His Word. His Word doesn't lie. You ought to know what that is. In this day, in this political climate, the church really needs to know what's good and evil. We've already talked about 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. We started with that. You, you were anointed to know the truth. Not only were you anointed to discern the truth, you were anointed to testify about the truth. And so you, you, you're supposed to live a life that proclaims the truth that you know. It, it's not necessarily a testimony in front of in front of a court, it is a testimony of how you live because the truth has been revealed to you and me. There's an amber alert. It's in Gastonia, so you don't have to look at your phone. Number two, testify the truth. Number three, to be able to pray. You are anointed to be able to pray. Ephesians six eighteen says, What a trip. Unbelievable. 
Yep. Be alert, be anointed. Yeah. Can we can we make that thing stop? Is that my phone doing that? All right. So number one is to discern the truth. Number two is to testify the truth. Number three is to be able to pray. You're anointed to pray. God wants you to pray in alignment with His Word. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You should be praying in the Spirit. He has enabled you and anointed you to pray. And that reminds me of so many Christians who say, I just don't know how to pray. Or man, prayer makes me squirmy. Just makes me nervous. Can you see as as your pastor or as a pastor that that is hard to hear? If I know that God anointed you to pray and you don't even know that you're anointed to pray, it makes you nervous. You hadn't even got past the nervousness yet and even began to walk in your anointing. To pray the kingdom into circumstances and situations, it could, it could get frustrating. God is looking for a church that he wants to anoint, that, that, that understand that that's what they're called to do. I don't know if I got started later. I'm just late. Number five. Number four. Number four. You were anointed to live a righteous life. You're, you're no longer a sinner. You hear me? You are no longer a sinner. You're a saint. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of the Most High God. You're the little anointed one that was saved from a bent toward sin, and now you have a bent toward righteousness. And you've been empowered and anointed to do righteousness. To live a righteous life. Romans 8, 4 says that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. Number five, you, you are anointed to be strengthened with power in your inner being. Your inner being is your mind, your will, and your emotions, your soul. God says you will prosper as your soul prospers. You'll prosper as your soul prospers. You, in your inner being, you are anointed to be strengthened with power. Ephesians 3.16 says, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. So you were anointed to be strengthened in your inner man. You were anointed to be led by God, number six. Romans 8 9 says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, if you're really saved. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he's, he's not God's. And so, if you've been saved, you've got the Spirit. We were anointed to live in joy. Look to your neighbor and tell him, you were anointed to live in joy. Now, look back at him and tell your faith. <laughs> for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit you are anointed to live in hope now may the hope of may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope how? by the power of the Holy Spirit you were anointed to receive spiritual gifts. There are different kinds of gifts, it says in Corinthians, but the same Spirit. But the manifestation of, of the Spirit is given to each one of you for the profit of all. You were anointed to move and operate in spiritual gifts, which, which do things that you can't do in your own. It's not, a, it's not a personality profile. You are also anointed to, to bear spiritual fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Again, there's no such law. Now, I just want to talk to you just a minute about this. It's important that you understand it. 
So let's say this. I am anointed. The little anointed one. I'm anointed by the Holy Spirit. The anointing is to bear the fruit of the Spirit. How? By the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Say it. By the. So it's not you bearing the fruit. This is not your fruit. This is the fruit of the Spirit. You tracking with me? So if you're not full of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be able to bear the fruit. So there's lots of bad teaching on this, and it irks me because here's, here's <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that. It won't be on the tape. We'll do first service. Anyway. The reason I say that is, it's as if we have this control, and we don't have control. This is not a discipline issue. It's not like, well, I need more patience. I need, to, oh, I need to be kind. And they're not, and they're not compartmentalized. In other words, you're not good at seven of the spiritual gifts and bad at one. And the reason being is. Because it's not you. It's the Spirit of God in you, on you. And the reason that you don't see the manifestation of all the gifts is because you might just have a personality that's kind, naturally. That's not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit takes you to a miraculous kind of kindness that you're unable to produce on your own. And that's called grace. And so, and so there's this move of the Spirit of God in you that begins to bear fruit that you're unable to bear without the grace of God. You cannot and do not and will not ever have the ability to, to produce that fruit without the power of the Holy Spirit in operation in your life. And so what you find is, is that you're operating in the old man and in the flesh, and so you're not producing the fruit. Instead of a surrendered soul to the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit of God is not only living in you, He is on you, and because He's on you, and because you have the Word of God in you, and because He's whispering to you, bear the fruit of the Spirit, and you say, Lord, I want to submit to you, and you have a little private worship experience that changes everything about your doing and you began to produce fruit because you were empowered by God, because you heard the voice of God, and you did what he said. It is able to produce it. You're not going to discipline yourself into the fruit of the Holy Spirit because you ain't God. It is the dependency upon God that you're looking for. It is the killing of the old man. And so it's the anointing that opens your mind. It is the anointing that teaches you, the anointing that guides you, that calls you to pray, that empowers you and enables you to be a stronger Christian, more powerful Christian. The anointing is not for people to just be saved, but it's for people to be saved, indwelt, and empowered. And so how do you receive the anointing? Well, first of all, we need to understand that everything God did, he did at the cross. It was done at the cross. In other words, every promise was yes at the cross. Every promise of God was yes at the cross. Every spiritual gift was yes at the cross. Every, every, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places was yes at the cross. Every bit of anointing on your life was available at the cross. And if you receive Jesus, if you receive Jesus as your Savior, 
You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit seals you as a guarantee. If, if the rapture happened right now, who would go? Where the Holy Spirit is. That's who'd go. Who would stay? The Holy Spirit's not there. It's not marked. You're not marked. So the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and New Testament came on the inside, indwelt. It was the, it was the guarantee. It was the seal of, of, of sonship and daughtership. But then he also comes on people. He anoints people to do tasks. He, he constantly does that in both New and Old Testament. In the New Testament, Peter was fully saved when he walked on water. He was fully saved when he began to sink. He was fully saved when he doubted, when he denied. But by the time his ministry ended, he had grown in his walk with the Lord. The anointing was on him, and he was so aware of it. He was so responsive to it that his shadow healed people when they walked by. We can come to a place where the anointing grows, and it's not because the anointing isn't there. It's because we're unaware of it or we resist it and refuse to walk in it. And God says, I want you to be filled with my spirit because from you there's going to be this gusher that comes out and it's the spirit's going to flow from you because you're so full of it and it's going to be like a river and everything that it touches is going to prosper. Because you're the little anointed ones. Jesus says, as I've done, you, you do in this world. You see me do, you go do. And, 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 and so I want you to understand, and I believe that we do, but I'm challenging all of us to, to move from a place of our understanding of what the anointing has always looked like and a singing. I'm, I'm moving from this because there's new wine and new wineskins. There's a new anointing. There's more anointing that you want to do in my life that I want to be receptive to and I don't want to resist because I know that you're a bigger God, that I am exemplifying and I want to respond to that in such a way that everything around me gets changed and that God can show himself strong in my favorite verse and it'll make more sense and I'm closing this is it I'm pretty sure <laughs> listen the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth Looking for a heart that is solely devoted to him. What's our responsibility? Devote our heart solely to God. And it says, so that he can show himself strong through that man or that woman. God is just looking for somebody that he can show himself strong through. What is that? That is anointing. How does it come? A surrendered heart. That doesn't resist. Right? God said, I'm finding, I'm finding people. I've got a place. It's called Eastside Community Church. A little church got, you know, a fireplace in it. Can you believe it? <laughs> little balcony. I'm about to build a school. Got Karis Bible College. You know, they, they, they're open to do anything I ask them to do. I want to pour out on them. Because I think I found somebody faithful that could hold what I want to do. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to be that way next week. But right now, I found them faithful. And depending on their posture or, or their resistance toward me, it'll depend on what I'll be able to pour out and do in this city. But it doesn't mean that there isn't a strong anointing that God doesn't want to pour out. He means he's already told us, I want to pour it out. I want to do something unique. But are you going to be available? Well, it starts with individuals. And then we're collectively as a church. Makes sense? Father, help us understand your anointing. Help us understand who we are. Help us understand that it's impossible to produce kingdom without your spirit. Your spirit is actually what actually does the battle for us. You send angelic hosts in cooperation with your word, which the spirit <laughs> begins to Make do what you sent it to do. And it gets no more complicated than that. So, 
So, Father, I pray for an anointing on this place. On, on these hearts. I pray that we not resist. so hard to remember what you did in each service, but I think I did the second or first service. It's a pride thing. It, it, it doesn't look like pride, but it is. It says, you know, you, Pastor, you just don't know my sin. You don't know what I've done in the past. You don't know what I could have done, and I chose not to, and so I'm limited. You just don't know my limitations. I'm limited by sin, I'm limited by education, I'm limited, I'm just limited. You know, pride says that. Pride says all those things. Because what it's really saying is, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross wasn't, wasn't good enough to actually pay for those things. And the anointing can't come on my life because the sacrifice wasn't strong enough to, to cover the sin so that the anointing could come in its fullness. And I just want to right now, in the name of Jesus, just knock that off of everybody in the room. If you need that knocked off of you, if you need that knocked off of you, just raise your hand. Just say, I need that knocked off of me. I see it, see it all over the place. Yeah. Father, I thank you, God, that you want to anoint us strongly and that you're going to do it. I thank you, God, that you, have, that you have found a place where a group of people are pursuing you. And, Father, it's not a one-day thing. It's not a one-month thing. It's not a one-year deal. You want somebody who knows your word so that you can actually give them recall by the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish what you send them to do and are listening and have an attentive ear so that they can boldly do what you ask them so that the kingdom can come in a place that's broken and dead, that life actually comes out of it. And so, Father, we just speak life because of the anointing on our life. We say life out of death that the resurrection power that rose Jesus from the dead is alive in us. <laughs> Sounds way bigger than us. You know why? Because it is. It's not us. It's the Spirit. It's the anointing. Father, let it flow in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen.